Star City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak Podcast. My name is Mark Bernanke and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What it do? Liquor Mark. I'm doing pretty well, man. So since we last recorded, uh, the Hornets have not done particularly well. They've lost five games in a row. And Tim, I'm going to say it. The Hornets are still bad. What? The Charlotte <laughs> Hornets? <laughs> Yeah, seven and twenty overall. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of injuries dealing with Lamelo, Dennis Smith Jr., Cody Martin, but um, the season is trending in the uh, Victor Wembanyama tank that we were were pulling for. So that's good news, Tim. Um, and we have a new segment to introduce. Tim, do you want to ca- uh, say the name? Yeah, we're wish casting for Wemby. That's right. And uh, I'm going to go to Tankathon.com. Check it out. Detroit is in the first slot, uh, and Charlotte is in the second slot in the uh, lottery odds at this current moment. We play Detroit tomorrow night, so if the Hornets lose to Detroit, we will pass them in the number one slot for uh, odds for the lottery. I'm going to press this sim lottery button, Tim. We're going to see how long it takes for the Hornets to get it. San Antonio got it the first time. Detroit second time. Charlotte Third time only took three lottery sims in wish casting for Wemby. The uh, debut of this segment. Hopefully, hopefully we're able to uh, get him next season. Tim. So I've been thinking about this a little bit. Um, You know, where we are right now, pretty depressing, semi-depressing. But wouldn't it be more depressing if we didn't even have a chance to get Wemby? If it took like 35 tries on Tankathon, it's mm. like, is, would you rather have 12 wins right now or like 11 wins? Would that really make us happier? N- no, no, it wouldn't. It's, it's actually, it's actually just good that we're doing this poorly. Um, but still a little bit worried about, uh, about our odds going up once Lamelo returns and we get a little bit of a healthier roster. I mean, Gordon Hayward hasn't played the past like eight games either. So, uh, yeah, this Pistons game tomorrow, very, very important loss for the Hornets coming up. Tell the story <laughs> about your coworker, Tim. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm working in an office with, you know, some older guys, people that have families. So they don't obsessively just think about the Hornets all day. And he was just like, he knows about the podcast. He's like, dude, why are the Hornets so bad? What is going on? And I was like, well, we're trying to get Wemby. And he was like, what, what, who, who is that? And then I pulled up some Victor Wimignana highlights on my phone, and he was just like, oh my god, who is this? What, what, what is going on here? And like, couldn't believe it. He's like, what, like, what is he like, you know, 25 years old playing against 14 year olds, years old? And I was like, no, it's like, he's like the third best league in the world. He's 18. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, the Rudiger Bear, Tony Parker, French Connection. Everything he was like, oh man, oh I really hope Lamelo doesn't come back. I like, now I get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you told me this story earlier, and I was like, save it for the pod. You got to witness just a grown man seeing Victor Wembanyama for the first time. 
I like I like showed Victor Womanyama highlights. My uncle was in town and I just pulled it up on the TV for my uncle and my mom. And they were like, wow, that is something. <laughs> seven seven <laughs> three, dude. Uh <laughs> pulling up for three. And uh yeah, he, anybody who watches that for the first time is gonna have the same reaction, I think. Yeah, it's very cool. It's like seeing Darth Vader for the first time. <laughs> wow, it just sticks with you. A little preview of a segment we're doing later. <laughs> All right, so some some good things have been happening for the Hornets. We're gonna we're gonna list a few of them here. Uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. playing the best basketball of his life, I believe. Tim, you have some stats for us. I know he's averaging twenty and a half points per game, which is a career high. Obviously, the points have to go somewhere, so that's not necessarily the most impressive thing. But he's been doing it from like all three levels, as we've talked about previously on the podcast. He's actually getting to the rim. He's shooting in the mid-range, and he's shooting the three-ball relatively well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fun Kelly Oubre stat that I feel like is just emblematic of this entire time here, or just his entire time playing basketball, really. Um, he has the lowest turnover percentage in NBA history of any player that is averaging 20 points a game. Pretty good, right? Yep, yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty unbelievable. Um, you would think he would turn the ball over just a little bit more than he does, but he's he's not been turning it over much this season. Well, let me tell you something that's more believable. He also has the lowest assist percentage in NBA history of anyone that's ever averaged 20 points a game. That is pretty wild. He is an anomaly, Tim. That averages out to like a pretty decent assist to turnover ratio. <laughs> yeah, I think it does, you know. I mean, he's not exactly Chris Paul, but he's not that far off from Trey Young. <laughs> Yeah, Trey Young definitely worse than John Morant, as we uh, have seen <laughs> over the start of this game. Me and Tim were talking about before the podcast. Should we talk about Trey Young versus John Morant? But uh, we decide not to. I think we're just going to talk about it now, Tim. What, what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> uh, so this is like an ambush. Yeah, I have nothing to say other than the fact that Trey's been getting some flack over not showing up to a game. I don't care. I think he's right. I think Nate McMillan is one of the worst coaches in the league. And outside of that, yeah, it's like, you're a star player. Don't show up sometimes. I'm not a star employee. I miss some days at work. No one gives me gruff. I think <laughs> that Trey Young, I'm, I'm really trying to talk myself into it. I'm having a crisis of confidence, obviously. Yeah, Tim, you're on your back heel right now. <laughs> this, is, this is embarrassing. You're trying to pull out anything, anything to defend Trey Young. But uh, yeah. Okay, I'll- I'll put it like this. I mean, Trey Young is in the midst of the worst shooting slump of his career since the first half of his rookie season. I am normally a believer in, you know, trust the stats. Don't worry about, you know, the kerfuffle that goes beyond, goes beyond the scenes. But, um, like, I think, like, oh, that guy's a leader. Oh, man, they would have been better off if, like, you know, he just spoke up more. I always think that's, like, BS. And then, like, all these stories about Trey Young come out, and I'm like, Maybe being a leader is important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think unquestionably, John Morant's leadership skills are like, you know, top tier in the are, league. Are are his leadership skills actually better? Or is he just part of maybe the best run front office in the league? I think his leadership skills are definitely better. Do you think his leadership skills made Desmond Bain into like, you know, a 20 point a game score? I mean, culture, culture is such like a weird thing. I mean, we're not talking about the Hornets at all right now, so we should speed this up. But <laughs> culture is like a hard thing to break down. But obviously, John Morant's doing something right, and Trey Young's doing something wrong. Um, I think that's 
Like that's my take. I don't think, I don't think that, you know, the other factors definitely matter that you're bringing up to him, but uh, John Morant himself has better leadership skills than Trey Young for sure. Okay. I'll, I'll buy into that. And also I'll just cherry on top of this. I think some of it is kind of just like eye of the beholder. Where like when Andrew Wiggins started to play fantastic defense last year and like actually got like key rebounds, I was like, dude, that's Steph Curry leadership right there. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that is just it. And you know, I think it's just I like Steph. I like Trey. I admit my biases. Yep. Yep. We'll revisit this maybe more in more detail uh after another like four game losing streak later this season. But for now, Tim, let's talk about the Hornets players that are playing. Uh, Kai Jones getting some run with the Hornets and has shown a lot of flashes so far uh, in his limited run, but he's been getting a little bit of minutes every game for like the past 10 games. And he's shown some stuff. He had that one like 12 rebound game uh, that will forever go down as the Kai Jones game. Um, and he's, he's been impressive. We wanted to see him play and he finally is getting some, some playing time, which is exciting. Yeah, which is pretty shocking because Steve Clifford said earlier in the season that players improving had nothing to do with getting playing time in actual games. And I think, you know, that's spotty to say the least. But um, seeing seeing Kai is just so much more exciting than pretty much anyone else on the Hornets. Even when he has like three bumbling possessions in a row, then he'll get a putback and just rise up over two defenders. And you're like, oh, I see it. There's just yeah. a little bit of hope, and I think that every game, it's like he gets a little better. I mean, young guys, they're spotty. You know, they'll have a good five-minute stretch and a terrible three-minute stretch. You just got to let them run. Yeah, yep. Still no Mark Williams, though, Tim. And Mason Plumley is averaging the most minutes of his career. So I still have some gripes uh, with the rotations. I think Kai Jones should be playing even more, and Nick Richards should be playing more, and Mark Williams should be playing more. Uh, we need to see that like 28 minutes per game for Mason Plumley go down for this team to like actually grow uh, and to develop the young guys. There's no point in playing Mason Plumley, even if he's better than Kai Jones and Mark Williams and Nick Richards. There would be no point in playing him. And I don't think he's better than Nick Richards. No, I would totally agree. But, you know, coming into the draft, everyone knew that Mark Williams was one of the more raw prospects and, none of his appeal was wrapped up in the fact that he was ready to play 20 minutes a game right out of the gate. Right? Nah, yeah. The, definitely the the uh, notes on Mark Williams said, just most NBA-ready prospect in this draft. <laughs> and uh, he has not played at all for the Hornets this year. He's played in the G League, which I get it. It's it's our thing to play the young players in the G League, let them develop there. But I don't know why that's our thing. It it hasn't worked it, like well every single time, right? Like, uh, look at James Booknight played in the G League last year, and he's getting no minutes this year. So I think it's time to just bring him up fully with the real team, the Charlotte Hornets, and just let him play. See what happens. There's no risk. <laughs> I love to think about a situation where we have like a 21 year old LeBron who's just been averaging 45, 15, and 10 <laughs> in the G League for three straight years. And Clifford's like, I mean, you know, he missed a back cut. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I mean, you just don't see it, but I mean, he's just not ready defensively. <laughs> that was a pretty good, pretty good Clifford impression, too. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, one player I'm not mad about that uh, Clifford's not playing is James Booknight. 
He is fully out of the rotation at this point, Tim. He's basically not been playing at all. And considering the amount of injuries we have, that is a bad sign. Taylor Maladon and Bryce McGowan's are playing, and James Booknight is not. Um, it it just seems like it seems like the Hornets are completely out on Booknight, um, and for good reason. He's not played well at all this entire year. Ah, yeah, I know. Someone I was big on Wiseman, and then um, you know, the Warriors fans, Warriors Twitter is always talking about. Oh, you know, send him to the G League, recoup some value, and then just get off of it. I'm like, you guys can get value for your picks? Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, book is cooked. Cook night. Lock it in. That's the new name. It's kind of a bummer. Um, even though, like, I was really low on him, kind of, you know, especially going into the season, it feels like the scene in the big short where they bet against the housing market, and they're like, we just made millions of dollars. And Brad Pitt's character is like, you know that 50,000 people just lost their homes because yeah. you made that. I'm just like, I don't really want to root against a young guy's success. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel good. But, I mean, he's just, it's an abject failure. That's yeah, right. You were right, and I was wrong. I thought, I thought there was something there this season. And, uh, yeah, at this point, I'm willing, I'm willing to admit defeat on that one, Tim. Uh, Book Knight has not been very good. And honestly, would you be surprised if he's somewhere else next season? I mean, if we needed more second round picks, I would say yes. But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't see us cutting him. I mean, it, you know, it depends on how the draft shakes out. He really would be in trouble if Mitch Kupchak did not just sell the 13th pick in the draft for Denver's first round pick. I think scraps. he will be gone next year, dude. I, I don't think, I don't think he'll be on the team next year. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. I mean, what, like what could possibly be the, you know, the vision for James book night on, on the Hornets. If, unless like he starts playing again and does well. Um, but like, we're not playing him at all now. So what are they going to say next year? Why would they? Why would they keep him? <laughs> um. Okay, I'm trying to think what I would do if I was PR is putting spin onto this. I'm sorry, Mark. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> say that, um, dude, he has got a DUI in 12 months. He's ready. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Uh, next player on the list, Bryce McGowan's. Uh, we br- briefly mentioned him, but he's been playing somewhat well. Um, and we call him Bryce. Looks like a second round pick, McGowan's, and he's played slightly better than a second round pick. I'll give him that, Tim. He's done. He has done pretty well in his uh, <laughs> his run for the past six games. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many unknown picks to pick from when i'm looking to get in on the action i bet with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba new customers can bet just five dollars pre-game money line on any nba team to win their game and get 150 dollars that's 150 dollars in free bets if they do check this out right now everyone can earn up to 150 or 100 percent with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays go to DraftKings sportsbook app place the same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win total rebounds and more the more legs you add the bigger the boost and the bigger your shots win big i personally have been betting on the hornets to lose and i've made a lot of money this season uh so continue to do that 
and download the app now. Sign up with the code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game or to lose their game. You can bet on the other team that the Hornets are playing against and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show notes for details. You're so cruel to this guy. I think he's played very well for what he is. And, I mean, like, he, he wasn't, like, a finished prospect coming out. He's a second-round pick. He's 6'7", six, 6'9", six, wingspan. And, yeah, he's not lighting the world on fire. But, I mean, he did completely usurp James Booknight. Yes. I mean, yes. He, he grabbed all those minutes. And even now, I mean, he's, like, the ideal guy that you want in the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give that to you. Yeah, he's he's played pretty well for, like, for if, a second think round. About, think about the hype that THT from the Lakers got. Mm-hmm. Think about, like, or Herb Jones last season. I mean, you would have thought if you looked up Herb Jones' stats that he was, like, prime Scottie Pippen, the way media talked about him. I'm not saying that Bryce McGowan's, like, that good, but I think that he strikes me as, like, he's going to be, like, a seventh man. At the very least. You think so? I don't think that's clear yet. But. Yeah, even that might be a little high. But I mean, I think with his physical profile and the way he's played, I think he's gotten better throughout his playing time. I think that he's looking to be a very serviceable player and knock it out the bingo card. He'll play seven years in the league. <laughs> yeah, everyone take a drink because Tim just said he'll play seven years in the league. <laughs> um, my counterpoint will be uh, Nemhard in uh in indiana he's balling out and he's a second round pick it's not like bryce mcgowan's lighting the world on fire but but he's he's been better than expected i'll give you that yeah but but nemhard is like a he's a he's a shooter it's like you know he's he's gonna score it's like every year just because aaron brooks is really good in the second round doesn't mean that memodo core cannot also be good mm, that was some strong pulling there tim interesting interesting names you pulled out the hat there um all right, next up on the on the docket here, Lamella Ball versus Tyrese Halliburton. It's it's time to revisit the uh, timeless argument of who's better. Uh, segment we developed in our first year of a podcast, "F Your Rookie," one of the best po- uh, segments we've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> that's the real shame. Maybe that's why I resent Book Night. If he just would have been better, we could have continued one of our best segments. Yeah. But he was just so terrible. We had to just do away with it. <laughs> yeah, and we have no chance this year either because we trade away one of our picks and we don't play Mark Williams. Um, but yeah, Mello versus Halliburton. Uh, I think the world consensus would be like 85% Tyrese Halliburton at this point. Um, people, people are really high on Tyrese and he's playing really, really well this year. The thing is, is that LaMelo has not had a chance to, like, counter that. We're missing this whole uh, time period that we are excited for, the potential LaMelo third-year leap, because he's just not playing. And I would argue that the upside of LaMelo Ball is still way higher than Tyrese Halliburton. Although, if you have to pick one, like, at this very moment, who's playing better, it's Tyrese Halliburton, because LaMelo's not even playing. <laughs> yes, I would, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, I think it really gets into an interesting discussion of, you know, fully maximized upside versus realistic potential. Mm. Where, I mean, so far, Tyrese Halliburton, and man, we were really mean to Mm. him. But at least statistically, 
he's clearly just been a better player than LaMelo throughout their careers. I yes. don't think that he is, but I think that, you know, LaMelo's upside is clearly higher. I, right. I think, but even now I'm, I'm not questioning it. I'm still team LaMelo, but Halliburton is giving me some thoughts. Granted, he is one year older. Yeah. So you brought up that if you like, if you showed like any of your friends two stat lines, career stats, Halliburton is better in pretty much every category except rebounding, right? Like he shoots a higher percentage from three, even though Mel is yeah. really good from three. Halliburton's also very good from three. Uh, he finishes at the rim better. He shoots twos way better. Um, he has more assists. Granted, they're not as cool as Lamelo's. Like <laughs> the only thing that Lamelo statistically is better at is rebounding. Which, you know, if you showed the, just the stats, people would pick Tyrese. Now, if you watch them, I think people would pick LaMelo. If you just watch watch them play, I think LaMelo is way more exciting. And if you had to pick a mixtape to show somebody, you're showing them LaMelo highlights. That's why I think his upside is still higher. He has the tools. He has the skill set to be a elite point guard. I don't think Tyrese Halliburton will ever be that. So yeah, that's that's really where it comes down to. Is like right now, Tyrese is already like firmly in the top ten point guards in the league. Mm-hmm. Lamelo has the ceiling. I guess it really comes down to what you think his ceiling is. I don't think he'll ever be the best point guard in the league, but I could see him being a top five point guard. Yeah, I could see him even being a top three point guard. I I think that's his ceiling, and I don't think Tyrese is is that high just by watching them. Yeah, so I guess it comes down to how, where do you think LaMelo is actually going to like, you know, peak out? Like, let's not assume 99th percentile, but if they both just hit like, even like 80th percentile, who's a better player? LaMelo. I think Halliburton's already close, would be my argument. I mean, I would argue this. I would argue that we were saying that his rookie year. Yeah, and he's improved. All right. So whose side do you want, Tim? <laughs> I, I'm really just playing devil's advocate because we're going back to our roots. Fuck Tyrese Halliburton. It's still LaMelo, even though I'm kind of going against logical reason here based on statistics and what we've seen thus far. I believe in LaMelo. I just think that if it all comes together, he has better height, better handles. He gets into the paint a little easier, but he can't finish. Yeah. But That's I what he like, needs to improve on. He just has to he has to get some finishing ability. Can we see some Lamelo dunks like when he comes back? Can he can he dunk the ball at six seven? That would be that would I, be nice. I just want him to finish one layup through contact. Yeah. He can you know, he can dunk away, but I mean that's that's really what we're looking for. And I think it's interesting. I mean, as far as like who they got to play with, it's not as though Halliburton's playing with like the twenty seventeen Warriors. But, I mean, LaMelo's pick-and-roll partners, I mean, the best he's had is Miles 20 Bridges. games. Ah, yeah, I would, I would say as far as, like, pick-and-roll, like, you know, as far as, like, true roller, I'd yeah. say Montrez. Mm-hmm. But even, like, Trez could barely sniff the court the last, like, you know, 10 games so bad defensively. I give LaMelo the benefit of the doubt, but I think it'd be interesting to ask, like, two non-Hornet fans, especially two people that don't run a Hornets podcast. No, they would both say Tyrese Halliburton. Because that's, I mean, that's like the recency bias, though, that that everybody does. 
and worth stepping back from the recency bias because we're fans of LaMelo. But like, I mean, Halliburton's balled out this year and LaMelo's done nothing. So I think almost everybody would say Halliburton right now. Yeah, I do. Even though like I, I defend LaMelo, I think it's a discredit to Halliburton to say recency bias. Yeah. I, I'm sure that does contribute. But I think Halliburton's actually like a really awesome player in way better than I thought he was going to be mm. when we were calling him like poor man's Malcolm Brogdon. Right. Right. Yeah. He's already better than Malcolm Brogdon ever was. Yeah. But I mean, that being said, it's still team LaMelo all day. Yep. All right. Shout out to the supporters of the podcast. TC Cunningham, Isaac Black, Xavier Harvin, Dan Joseph, Brandon Garcia, Austin Johnson, and John Peters. Subscribe to the winnow. Uh, we have been missing a couple games here, Tim, but we're going to pick that up. We're going to start uh, doing the winnow more consistently. I have been uh, busy the past couple weeks competing in chess tournaments. I played in the uh, U.S. Masters. And this past weekend, I played in Nashville, the Music City Open. Uh, and I cashed. So it was, it was a pretty good tournament. Nashville was a, was an interesting city. Uh, just a little chess update for y'all. Going, going strong. I love to hear it. And um, thank you to everyone that's taking the time to rate, review, like, subscribe, anything that you do. And um, anyone that shared it, you get an extra bonus gold star. Thank you. Yeah, tell, tell your friends about the pod. Tim, what do you have for Media Corner? I know what it is. <laughs> Media Corner is this weekend. I watched the prequel uh, Star Wars movies for the first time in a while. Yeah. And um the first two really terrible. I thought you said only the second one was terrible. Uh the first one is like a good 6 out of 10. If you take out the Jar Jar Binks part, which I kind of like him on like a meta level, like Misa Misa. I think that <laughs> stuff's funny. But I mean he really does detract from the story. But um Revenge of the Sith episode 3 really just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing like, I mean, I've done the same thing. You throw on the first two and you're just waiting. You're just waiting to get to that episode three, but you got to go through, you got to go through the first two first to get the full build up. Episode three hits, dude, you start crying. You start crying when, uh, that Anakin scene where he turns to the dark side. It's, it's, it's a good, good watch. I, I agree with you. I'm, um, also have some takes on the Jedi here real quick. Um, idiots. They are complete idiots where it's almost, you know, if we're comparing it back to the Hornets, it would be so like the Adam Morrison draft <laughs> when you have Brandon Roy, who's killing it. And they're like, you know, master, uh, master Yoda, Brandon, Brandon Roy, he just averaged 22 a game. He's <laughs> NBA ready. And he's like, mm, no. Morrison Reddish is. It's like he busted JJ Reddish. It's like they're telling him they're like Count Dooku blew up Padme's shift, and they're like, "No, he was a Jedi. That couldn't possibly happen." It's just like getting Rich Cho flashbacks. Like this sucks. Adam Morrison, he went to Gonzaga. He can't. He can't fail. (laughs) Reddish is. That's good stuff, dude. All right, let's let's get out of here on that note. Uh, it's, been, it's been real, Tim. It's been real, Liquor Mark. Be safe out there. Peace. Peace.